This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 159. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he's the crash test dummy of online business, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for quite a long time now, and I've had a lot of success with the multiple shows and, and episodes and even the courses I've created. Part of my success is due to how particular I've been in the tools that I use, and one of my favorite tools is Buzzsprout. For those of you who are not familiar with Buzzsprout, you need to be, because if you have a podcast or you're looking to start one, Buzzsprout is by far the easiest way to start podcasting, and they're making it even easier. This is a podcast host, and it allows you to get listed on all the top directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. I use it myself. They've provided advanced stats for us now so that you can track your podcast downloads and understand exactly what things are happening with your show, which is really key, right? Just there's not a lot of data that uh, a lot of tools give us access to, and Buzzsprout is some of the best. They'll even help you build a website for your podcast so your audience can easily find you online and listen to all the episodes right from your site too, if, even if you don't have a website. On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. So Magic Mastering is like an Instagram filter, but for your audio, and it takes the audio you have and just automatically masters it to match the Apple Podcast authoring best practices. It's totally awesome. Just, I love them because not only is it just a super easy tool to use, but I know the team there, they are the sponsor of this episode, and I wanted to make sure you got to know who they are because they're, they're a great tool. And if you're just starting out with Buzzsprout, you can actually get a special deal. Their plans start at $12 a month, Buzzsprout is a wonderful partner of mine and you know you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 159 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. And today I'm really excited because we're gonna be talking about email marketing and your autoresponder series. And a lot of people, they just don't pay attention to this type of thing in their business. And this episode can make a huge impact on your business and how you are relating and sending messages to your audience. But not only that, how much money you're making too. So we're gonna be talking to Dan Fagella from clvboost.com. CLV stands for Customer Lifetime Value. And of course, boosting that is one of the best things you can do. Now, Dan, you might not know this, but Dan was actually the person who gave advice to Steve Chu over in episode 143. Steve is the person from uh, Stanford. A lot of people know that he and I have this sort of fun little you know, rivalry going because I went to Cal, he went to Stanford, and those are, those are rival schools. But anyway, on that episode, episode 143 of the SPI podcast, Steve came on and he talked about how he 3 x his revenue by simply making some quick changes to his autoresponder series. And he talked about a guy on that episode that helped him and that is Dan, who's on our episode today. So Steve actually recommended we get Dan on the episode today to talk even more and even deeper about best practices for email marketing and using your autoresponder series. So you're gonna get a lot out of this episode. And of course, hopefully you have an email service provider that you're using. And if you are, this is gonna help you take that to the next level. So here we go. This is Dan Fagella from clvboost.com. What's up, SPI community? I'm so, so stoked today to welcome Dan from clvboost.com to the show. What's up, Dan? How are you? Pat, I am doing well, brother. I am glad to be here. 
So we got introduced actually through Steve, who was a guest in episode 143, where if you remember, we were talking about actionable email marketing strategies and how Steve 3x his revenue using a a specific strategy for his autoresponder. And he emailed me after and was like, uh, you got to talk to Dan because he was the one who told me how to do this. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's going to help your entire audience with conversions and email marketing, and you just have to have them on. So here you are. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, no, I, I remember the interview with Steve, actually, Pat. It's funny because at the end of our call, we were just chatting very casually, you know, oh, yeah, what are your open rates, yada, yada, you know, how many emails you have? I think he had six emails in his autoresponder. And I was like, what? I was like, man, you know, present some different offers and lengthen that thing alone. You don't even have to test it. You're going to make more money. And then he was on your show and dropped the, the shout out. And man, I've never been so honored. So it's it's cool that we have a, a shared friend in Steve. I really like that guy. Yeah, I mean, even though he's from Stanford, you know, he's still <laughs> a good guy. Still has, I yes. have to throw that in there, you know. Despite despite that, yes. Yeah. We've been doing like Photoshop wars. So he photoshopped me wearing all the Stanford stuff. I photoshopped him with all this Cal gear. For those of you who don't know, there's a huge rivalry between Stanford and Cal. But anyway, that's for another topic. Yes, that, that <laughs> can have its own podcast. Oh yeah, want. absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. There's a huge history there. But anyway, let's let's talk about you. How did you get started in what you do? How did you become this expert in email marketing? And uh, then we'll get into some strategies and stuff like that. Yeah, certainly, Pat. I mean, a, a lot of people only know me from the Mixer G's and everything else from basically talking about email marketing and CLV Boost, which stands for Customer Lifetime Value Boost. And that's that's the name of my consultancy is CLV Boost. Definitely didn't start off consulting on making money with email for startups and online businesses. Definitely did not start there. I started, Pat, in a martial arts gym in a town of 8,000 people. So I wanted to be involved in a business around my passion. I did not want to go to work and sell insurance like my buddies or, you know, deliver pizzas. So to pay for graduate school, I decided, why don't I just fight? And so I I was driving back and forth from University of Pennsylvania for, for my graduate degree in psychology. And and I was running a gym in a town where, Pat, I realized with 8,000 people in this town, I was going to run out of human leads. Yeah. Um, in other words, no matter how good your SEO is in a town of 8,000 people, your maximum list size is like 8,000 people. So that, that became a pretty evident problem for me early on, Pat. And instead of focusing on SEO or paid advertising, I focused on building in-depth relationships with individual subscribers by segmenting and automating my email marketing so it was highly relevant based on the goal, the program, the gender, et cetera, of the lead and really maximizing how many people who showed interest showed up and took a class. That was my conversion metric. It was dialing in conversion, not just dialing in traffic. And that very neurotic skill of focusing on customer lifetime value and conversion with email scaled up to our e-commerce site in the martial arts world, which is now a more than $60,000 a month business, basically selling martial arts DVDs and programs um, in sort of e-commerce. So I've done it in service, did it in e-commerce, and only then did I get into consulting with clvboost.com. So my start was in small biz, Pat. I love that. I love that. So there's a lot of people out there who try to teach this kind of stuff and, you know, they are learning from other people. And here you are, you are using your own experience in these other industries. I mean, that's the way it should be done, I feel. And so yeah, this, this learning, is learning the hard way. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's get right into it. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about different kinds of best practices for email marketing. But okay, I think a lot of us know how important email marketing is. I mean, let's just hear from you. When people come to you and they say, Dan, you know, social media is growing, podcasting is huge, and you know, email marketing is dying. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's one thing I'll say, Pat, is I'm not, I don't have my ego tied to email. So we've done stuff with startup companies and in text and, and through other kind of digital messaging channels. But I'll say this, number one, Amazon, Wayfair, HubSpot, you know, billion dollar companies selling software, products, et cetera, um, are, are, are continue to, as they were 10 years ago, using emails on a daily basis to, mm. to drive oodles of sales. And as many folks have found out, and Pat, you might be able to attest to this yourself, Facebook is probably not the best place to, to, to link to your sales page, unless you really like angry comments. Right. Um, so Facebook and Twitter are awesome for community. In fact, I, I, I am a fan of both. I'm on Facebook pretty darn often. You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter from time to time. Um, in terms of a business purpose, most people will have a better success rate turning those folks into subscribers or into email readers than they will into customers immediately. When they are in the email channel, now you own the relationship. If Facebook all of a sudden says something like, I'm not going to let your organic reach take you anywhere and no one's going to see your stuff anymore, which, by the way, Pat, happened, right? Yep. Um, if Facebook says that, you still can push a magic button, uh, which you might call the money button, and send out emails to thousands of people and get them to purchase products. So no matter what Facebook and Twitter decide about what your sales page needs to look like or how much reach you're going to get, you own the relationship when you own the email address. And selling through email, even if it's soft, you know, no matter how you're selling, um, is accepted and acceptable much more so than linking to a sales page in Facebook. So the social, I agree, it is growing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a useful thing. I love it for building my list because when I when I post on Facebook about a new DVD or about a fifteen thousand dollar consulting gig or you know a landing page redesign program I'm doing or something, people aren't going to pull out their credit card from Facebook. But when they're on my email list and and they learn about these best practices and they they get involved and they get pulled in through gradual education via email, I can present an offer without resistance. So I'm not saying social's bad, Pat. I'm not saying I'm married to email, but I will say, by golly, if you like making money on the internet, it's really tough to say it's not a help. Right. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So everybody's convinced emails, you know, hopefully by now that it's, it's something that's very important. And a lot of people who are listening to this already has started their email lists, which is great. That's, a, that's, yes. that's the first step, you know, just getting started with that. We'll have resources and stuff in terms of step-by-steps and walkthroughs on actually how to set up an account on an email service provider. But after that, I think a lot of people get lost. You know, okay, yeah. I'm collecting emails. They, they know about the front end stuff and giving away lead magnets and all those sorts of things. But then, you know, the other side of the coin gets forgotten. What happens when people subscribe? How do we, how do we think about that? What's the best way to, to figure that out? What happens to a subscriber when, after they subscribe? I, I love it, Pat. You know, I like thinking about it this way because you know, you are right. I mean, there's a thousand blog posts about how to create an ebook and get an Aweber account and whatever else. But then shucks, what do you do? You know, what most people do, Pat, is they remember once every four months that they have an Aweber account and they begrudgingly write something and then click send. Mm -hmm. That's a real shame. Um, so what I prefer folks do is think about it this way. First and foremost, Pat, one, one place where folks often will go wrong is they'll create an ebook. And, and I know this because I've done it. I mean, I've I learned all, all my lessons the hard way, basically, um, is they'll create an ebook or a free guide or a video course that doesn't quite relate to the main program they'd like to sell. So, you know, uh, we could use an example of a business, Pat. I mean, you know, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll have you come up with one. Somebody recently who asked you a question via email or somebody you recently interviewed who has a certain business model. What, what's something people could sell online, just to use an example here? Let's do uh, transcription services. Okay, so they, they sell 
they sell transcription services. So uh, people send in an audio and then, and then they'll send back, what do they do? They'll send back the, the actual text for, for some money there. Right, right. Perfect. Great. So, um, so yeah, the relatively common business. So if, if you have a transcription service, you know, sometimes people create eBooks on, you know, things that, that maybe don't quite correlate to the value proposition, such as shucks, uh, you know, how to do transcribing yourself or transcribing in different languages or, or maybe something about, you know, hiring people on Odesk or something like, like general, you know, something that they feel like people looking for transcription might be interested in as opposed to, you know, what they're ultimately going to end up selling. The real congruence that needs to exist is, is does what you're getting them to opt in for by itself already indicate that they are a potential good customer for your product? So a real flub that I saw recently, Pat, is I know somebody that's selling supplements online. These are supplements geared towards sort of focus and, uh, and concentration for athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of all natural stuff, and, and, and that's what they're selling. And the guide that they were sending people to, it was a, a free ebook on how to boost your focus and concentration, uh, you know, as an athlete. As, and they, they market towards combat athletes, so as a combat athlete. Okay. So a free guide. Now, my question is, what percentage of people that opt in for a free guide on being more focused uh, from Facebook are in the market, Pat, I like the term in the market for this, are in the market to eat a pill that gets that benefit? I don't actually know. And I would suppose it's much less than half. Mm. You know, the people that want to get an ebook to read article about that are not the same people that might want to eat a pill to get the same benefit. Now, it's not as far off the mark as you can get. But what you're doing is you're collecting a bunch of leads and the first product you're going to sell them is something that they don't inherently have an interest in. It would have been better, Pat, if that e-guide was something like a supplement review, you know, a combat sports supplement review. They could point out the flaws or benefits of various supplements and highlight their own. They could have uh, talked about uh, natural supplement ingredients for combat athletes that can help naturally boost blankety blank, right? And mm-hmm. they could have talked about vitamin B and ginseng or whatever they're talking about. And then conveniently somewhere in the ebook, they could say, by the way, we've tried to pack all these nutrients into, into one simple supplement and, and we'll you know send you your first bottle just for the price of shipping. That right. would have been a more coherent uh, opt-in because Pat, if you opt in for uh, if you opt in to learn about natural ingredients that you can eat that will help improve your focus and concentration, I have a good chance of selling you pills. If you're interested in reading about focus for being an athlete, you know, maybe one in three, one in four of those folks are even in the market. Does that make sense? Right. So they for, for the people who are downloading this lead magnet about, you know, reading these articles on focus, then likely a course or some sort of video program might work better as opposed exactly. to a pill. Going back to the transcription thing, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe a good lead magnet for that would be a quick guide on 10 things you could do with a transcription to increase your conversions on your site or increase SEO, you know, 10 different things you could do with the transcription that you could get from us, you know. That's a good one. Uh, that would indicate that you know your market is, is marketers, for example. If that sure. is the case, Pat, in other words, if you sell transcription to marketers, like let's say the audience that listens to your show, yes, we would talk about internet marketing things. Mm. However, if that's 10% of your of your search traffic, that wouldn't quite pan out. But if it, if it was your search traffic, that would work out. You know, I hate to say it's a little bit more bland in a service business, Pat, but it is. Um, yeah. Often what is done in a service business, for some reason it still generically works, which is interesting to me, is something like, you know, the seven keys to choosing the right 
transcription service for your business. You know, how to not get ripped off with transcription, yada, yada, yada. Those are sort of, uh, it's, it's niche agnostic. You know sure, what I mean? So, sure, sure, sure. so yours would have been very good. If you knew, if you sell transcription to marketers, period, like you don't do academic, you don't do multilingual, you don't do ba 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 and you sell to marketers and WordPress business people, then yes, give them great money-making ideas to use transcriptions. But if three quarters of your traffic is coming from college kids that don't want to write their paper, they want to record it on their iPhone and have you write it, then you would need something more generic to capture generic traffic. Regardless, your opt-in magnet needs to match not only the traffic that's landing on your site, but the first thing that you are going to, to sell them. But yes, I think you had the idea there as right. well. I mean, I gave you a tough example uh, with, with the no, transcription. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's fine, though. It's fine. I, I had to go a little bit deeper to explain it, but hopefully I still got the No, point. it's good. It's good. So basically, make sure you match the giveaway with what they're eventually going to be able to buy from you. Yeah. Great. Now, how does that convert that Lead person? To the purchase. Lead yes. to the purchase. Okay, great. Here's, here's you know, if, if the folks out there are tuned in, you got you got a marker and a napkin, you know, uncap it, and, and, uh, and here we go is think to yourself, if somebody opts in for blank, so put a little square on the left-hand side and write the opt-in magnet title. Let's say we're selling um, something about marketing, seven tips to grow your sales with Facebook, whatever, something arbitrary, okay? Mm. But you, you ultimately sell you know, Facebook marketing products and Facebook marketing services. Like you, you manage uh, paid advertising spend, you do Facebook graphic design, and you also sell like eBooks and things like that in that niche, uh, video okay. courses in that niche, which is a tough niche, honestly, because Facebook changes every four days. Um, <laughs> right. So services are almost more viable than products, which, which isn't my favorite. But regardless, let's say that's your circumstance. Put, put your, your opt-in guide on the left-hand side in, in, a, in a box, and then ask yourself, in an ideal world, given how much traffic you're getting, what would be the next logical thing that you would sell to that person once they have a little bit of a relationship with you? And, and next, if they didn't buy that, so if they did not buy the first thing that you thought would be most relevant, most useful, most helpful to them and most profitable to you, if they don't buy that, Pat, what should you then present to them that they can still buy? Because what most people do wrong, and when I talked to Steve, and Steve was nice enough to give me a little shout out on your show, but when I talked to Steve, you know, he had... I don't know, five content emails, one email that asked for a sale. And then, then it, then it went black. Right. Like, Oh, sorry. I guess you're not yep. somebody who's going to buy ever. But here's the thing. Email number six, Pat probably has like a 15% open rate. So if one out of every six people gets only one chance to buy, what are the flipping odds? Anybody's going to buy, buy goodness. I mean, you get a, you get, you get 60 opt-ins you know, you're only getting 10 people even on the page in the first place, or people even seeing the email, never mind clicking through. That is, that is rough. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not saying hit them with sales email after sales email for six months. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying once you've, you've introduced yourself and educated them and you've presented product a, which you believe is most relevant for them. What's the next thing that you could offer them? And, and once that one's over, if you have another thing, maybe you can present that. So in the Facebook example, I got my little, I got my little, uh, Square on the on the left there on my piece of paper it says seven tips to you know uh, boost your sales with Facebook, and the first product that I'd like to sell because I'd like to sell more products and services because I'm trying to scale and I'm trying to live the laptop lifestyle and be able to be like Pat Flynn and, and be all cool and stuff. Um, it is is uh, a ninety seven dollar course on uh, you know full blown video course on the basics of Facebook ads. 
you know, determining your target markets, targeting your ads, yada, yada, complete uh, video course. That's the first thing we want to sell. That's our flagship product. We believe that that's going to be the most relevant thing for this person. So, so let's present that first. And Pat, in a second, I'll, I'll talk about how to craft the emails to actually sell that. Very okay. basic strategies to craft those emails. But right now, we're just looking at overall strategy. Um, if they don't buy, what, what most people do would say, man, you know what? We sent them like three or four emails about that $97 thing and they didn't buy. I guess they're just not a buyer. I guess I'll just go home. That, in my opinion, that's a, that's just horrendously wrong. And again, people can listen to Steve's interview, uh, Steve, uh, you know, if, if they, they don't agree with that one, but lengthening this, this process a little bit on the aggregate is going to be very, very helpful for customer lifetime value and sales. Next up, we should ask, is there something maybe a little bit less expensive that would be still of interest to these folks and still be useful? Don't we have that $27, you know, um, PDF and audio course on, mastering Facebook engagement, you know, building an engaging community, uh, sharing posts and, uh, you know, finding the right kind of pictures, all that kind of stuff. Don't we have a $27 product? Uh, let's go present that, you know, let's address the fact that maybe the 97 wasn't for them just yet. And let's, let's go after the 27. And, and if they don't, you know, and if they don't buy that, uh, we can we can put them into our general kind of broadcast newsletter bucket, but we can maybe send a couple of emails that say something like, hey, you know, some folks, in, in addition to just learning digitally and learning from our free videos and some of our courses online, some folks really do want to work one-on-one -on -one with us. And every month we take on a limited number of clients to manage their Facebook advertising. And you can see some great case studies and success stories here, and you can apply to work with us right here. If you throw out, you know, three or four of those emails at the end of the sequence, you'll scoop up the certain percentage of people that frankly don't want to buy your stuff. They want it done for them. So maybe that's a third thing that we can mm, present like and let's structure that. So the exercise for someone with a napkin and a marker is draw your opt-in and then what are the sequence of products or services that you would want to sell them in an ideal order that you believe would convert at the highest rate and be most helpful for your prospects. So in terms of what to sell, um, and in terms of being persistent about selling, i.e. more than one product, I would have anybody and everybody map it out that way. And, and if you like, I can also go into sort of how to sell with those emails too. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, but just to recap, so you have yep. your lead magnet, which is related to all these things that you're going to sell. Uh -huh. And you have your flagship product first as the first product. And again, we're just mapping out the actual points of sales. It doesn't mean that that's the next email that's coming out, right? And that's yeah, it kind just of, means that's the first product you'll, you'll pitch coming up, coming okay. up a little bit, maybe after some education. And yep. it's important to think about that. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. They kind of just write, you know, email after email after email. There's no path, you know, there's no uh, thought to, okay, where is this actually going? You know, yeah. each email is kind of individual instead of part of a, a bigger sequence here. So one, two, three, I, I like the idea of a flagship product and a less expensive one than the, hey, if, if you don't want a product, then maybe you want it done for you. That's where the sort of coaching programs or consultations, those types of things come into okay. play. Um, I, I think that's fantastic. So let's fill in the gaps, like what goes in between the, each of those emails. Let's totally rock and roll. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bit of a disclaimer and say, not everybody needs to sell a product before a service. Let's just say, Pat, that I'm that same Facebook guy, but at the end of the day, I like to sell my service and I'll sell a product afterwards. Most of my money is made selling my service. And I have this team that can adapt and can take on new clients quickly. And I'm interested in selling services. What I could do then, Pat, is I would put the service first mm -hmm. and then I would sell the products afterwards. You understand? So really the order is not like, oh, high ticket, low ticket, then service. Oh my goodness, it's magic. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what's going to be 
ideal for your business model, what's most likely to convert, and, and what's the kind of business you want to build. If you want to be on the phone closing and making most of your money that way, then you'll prioritize that. If you want to you know, be pushing the, the buy now button and, and having more of a hands-off sort of a product business, then you want to build it the other way. Make sense? Yes, it makes absolute sense. Now, just to clarify, if somebody purchases in that first sale email, they are taken off that list. Yes. I, well, ideally, we, we do a few things, Pat, and it depends on your email functionality. Um, frankly, I'm a fan of tools like uh, ActiveCampaign, uh, GetDrip. I mean, at the higher level, Infusionsoft, Entreport. Um, I, I really believe a lot of newer businesses could and should use Entreport if they want to take email seriously. But ActiveCampaign is pretty darn cheap, but it has some functionality. A lot of folks out there are probably using MailChimp or Aweber. I have nothing religiously opposed to MailChimp or Aweber, but um, it's it's really not going to allow for tailored automation that could really boost sales. So in an ideal circumstance, Pat, oftentimes one potential uh, circumstance here is if the person buys the first product, you would move them immediately into selling service. Hey, thanks for buying our product. They would be pulled right away from products. And you would now say, man, if you want us to help you implement these principles in your own business, um, you can come to us, blah, 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 blah. And we might have six specific emails for all buyers of product X. Does that make sense too? Sure. So if it's like a, if person buys this product, then they will be offered Exactly. This. If they're offered this other product, then they might get put somewhere else. So there's like these little buckets and stuff. Yep. If then scenarios. And, and ideally, if you have a, if you, if you're just using Aweber, you can just think about it the way that we were just talking about here, Pat. Mm -hmm. If you have a more robust system, such as Infusionsoft, Entreport, ActiveCampaign, then you can start to not just map linearly what you and I just did in terms of offer order, but you can think about if thens. Okay, everybody that purchases this 97, what am I doing with them? Everybody that doesn't purchase it but buys the 27, what am I doing with them? And everybody that becomes a, a, a client for my service, what am I doing with them now? Should mm -hmm. I put them on an email sequence that encourages referrals for other businesses that want their Facebook managed? You know what I mean? We can be thinking at deeper, higher levels. Uh, in general, most people don't even have an initial autoresponder though. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So if you'd like here, Pat, I could just go into some, uh, you know, general guidelines around forming your first autoresponder. Let's do it, please. Thank you. I will say this. I, I'm not dogmatic about any of this with respect to email, I've just seen a lot fail and I've seen a lot of people make five figures a month, uh, you know, starting from absolute scratch. And so I've seen a lot succeed and I've done the same thing, you know, myself, our jujitsu business started off making zero and we, you know, it, it took us, you know, quite a number of months to get to break kind of 50, 60 grand a month. But, you know, we learned a lot of hard lessons in email to sort of get there. And there's a lot of simple stuff to be implemented for the folks who are tuned in today. One of which, Pat, and I, this is a big one for me, absolute takeaway for anybody who's tuned in right now is your first email. Your first email when somebody opts in for your thing, whatever your thing is, your first email matters a lot. Because if someone doesn't open your first email, the likelihood of them opening the rest of your emails is pretty gruesome. Mm. So we really want to encourage an open on the first email. Now, Dan, how do I do that? Well, I prefer a first email to really not be very what we would call whiz-bang or promotional. In other words, if your first email says, like the seven Facebook guide we just talked about, if it says, awesome Facebook marketing right here, exclamation point, exclamation point, mm -hmm. right? That may very well, you know, you use exclamation points and caps in your first email, you, the spam filter might think that you are spam and everything else you send will be called spam. So I avoid exclamation points in all caps in the first email. I like a professional title that 
exactly mentions the exact opt-in widget that they got, the exact lead bait that you got them in for. So something like your, your seven Facebook sales boosters inside. Hey, Bill, your seven Facebook sales boosters inside. It's like you're acknowledging they just asked for this and you're providing it. How darn professional of you. They know exactly what to expect. This is not a pitch. They expressed interest. You're giving it to them right then and there. Really, like not screwing up the first subject line is huge for aggregate readership, long-term aggregate readership. So uh, so that's, that's good initial advice. Now, what's inside of this first email? These are important tenets to bear in mind. If you have an autoresponder, think about how you can paint these into it. If you do not have an autoresponder, please be wary of these tenets as you start to create it. First and foremost, you want to thank them for their, their download and, and their, their subscribing, and, and you want to provide what you promised. If your first email, if, if you have some second email that eventually gives them the ebook that they wanted, you're, you're sort of breaking from their expectations. Yeah. They entered their email because they wanted to hear from you, yes, but, but they wanted the thing that they got. So it has to be evident that you are delivering. You're doing what you said you would. You're building trust. You're anchoring trust and you're giving value right away. Um, I see a lot of folks where it's like their second email has the has the the thing that the people ask for, or maybe they don't even deliver it and they haven't realized that it doesn't deliver. Um, or, or you know, it's at the very bottom of the email. P.S. Oh, by the way, I know you opted in for this. Here it is. It's like, what the heck, man? Like that's that's not exactly how you want to. You wouldn't treat somebody like that in a physical restaurant, you know. You don't want to you don't want to treat them like that on the internet. So right away, thank them for getting in on the thing, you know, opting in. Uh, provide them what they ask for. And then I highly recommend, particularly in like a newer online business, um, paint the value, paint, paint a little bit of the, the, the story and your business or your personality. If you are a business and not a personality, then just talk about the business. Uh, if you can be a personality, which, which in my martial arts business, for example, I am, then I speak as that personality and say, you know, uh, hey, you know, thanks so much for getting in on these seven face, Facebook guides. Uh, my name is Chad O'Harris. I'm creator of uh, winningfacebookstrategies.com, and I've been marketing on Facebook for over five years. Like you, I blankety blank, 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 and I struggled a lot with Facebook. I learned from some of the absolute best and, you know, was able to sell my first business, you know, about three years ago. And I've been full-time helping other struggling business owners, you know, just like yourself to learn the fundamentals of Facebook and to be able to make a lot more money online. And then what I like to do, Pat, so, so you explain who the heck you are and why they should pay attention to you. Cause if you just say, Hey, here's the ebook you wanted. And then they download it. And then you email them the next day. What are they thinking, Pat? Who, who's this guy? Like, why? Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you gave me the thing, buddy, like chill out. Who are you? You know, um, so so tell them who you are and a little bit of your story. The next step would be uh, anchoring them short term to pre-frame value and anchor them long term to pre-frame value. If your first email just delivers an ebook and cuts off, and you're not telling them why your emails are valuable and what amazing things you're going to teach them, they are not motivated to keep opening. If you say, "Hey, here's the ebook you wanted. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, catch you later from Chad." Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what, uh, you know, why are you emailing me again, Chad? I don't understand this. So after Chad's whole breakdown of who he is and how he, he became successful and started helping others, he would say something like, um, I'm, I'm glad you're now a subscriber to my Facebook sales boosters, you know, uh, you know, insider list or whatever it is, you know, insider club, whatever, whatever you want to call your, you know, you don't have to come up with a name for it. I'm just inventing that. Mm -hmm. Um, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you, um, it, 
you know, I, I know you just downloaded my free guide. And in the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you step-by-step video lessons on, uh, on boosting Facebook engagement, setting up your Facebook paid campaign and, um, you know, and driving more traffic and sales using Facebook marketing you know, w- without having a technical marketing background, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, and then say, you know, uh, this, you know, this, this newsletter is where I share my absolute best strategies on such and such and such and such. And I look forward to having you along with the journey and, and hearing of your success. Um, you know, so, so we preframe what we're about to teach you and why it's going to be so great to hang out with us in the next few weeks. And then we're preframing long-term why you want to hang out with me, why you want to keep opening these emails, why I am a guy that you want to welcome into your inbox. Not, not why am I a guy that you'd want to kick out? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense too? Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So preframe short-term benefit, why you want to open the next email and preframe long. So we might wrap up the email with something like, um, you know, in, in tomorrow's, you know, uh, if you look inside the e-guide that I just gave you, the first, the first Facebook sales booster that, that we talk about is a few of the easiest ways to improve Facebook engagement and be able to drive more traffic and sales with Facebook without even using paid advertising. Tomorrow, I'll be breaking down this concept in a simple three-minute video that I know for a fact is going to be helpful. Feel free to email me anytime if you have questions. And thanks so much for being a subscriber. Enjoy the ebook and talk to you soon from Chad. So now I've given what I said. I'm building trust. I'm introducing myself. Why do they care about me? What's my story? Why am I credible? I'm pre-framing short-term benefits. Why you want to open my emails all week long this week or even tomorrow. And I'm pre-framing long-term benefits. At the same time, I'm welcoming you. I'm nice. I'm cordial. Most first emails, Pat, you've probably experienced are missing, you know, the vast majority of those elements. Yeah. No, I love it. I love this. And this is so critical because if you don't do this right, they're not going to open every other email you've worked on, including your broadcast emails that will come out eventually. Yeah. Too. It's like if, if, you're, if your readership tanks within your first three because you mess up your expectations, Pat, because you don't give them a reason to open, because your subject lines are not appealing or they're too scary and markety right away, like too early. Um, if your readership tanks in the first three emails, just like you said, man, you're going to be sending out broadcasts two years from now and you wish that Billy was still with you reading every single email, but – you know, you have a huge percentage of people that are long gone. And that's a lot of potential revenue, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of clicks that could have gained something from your service or products. Um, but now they won't because you turned them off. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I do a lot of those things, right? But I, there's also a lot of things I could improve as well. So I'm actually going to, right after we hang up, I'm going to go check my uh, email service provider to see how I'm doing. I, it's been a I, while. I very, yeah, I very rarely do an interview without hearing something like that, which is, <laughs> which is, always, which is always somewhat- That's somewhat a good thing. Affirming. Yes, I think so. So I, I can talk a little bit about driving sales without being salesy because I think this is everybody else's concern, Pat. After you've introduced yourself, how do you sell without kind of being a nuisance? Yeah, let's talk about that. But real quick, can we- Oh, sure, sure. Like, uh, so, so you mentioned the first email. Like I, yes. I, I think people are like, okay, well, how many emails do I send before the sale email? Uh, how many in yeah. between the $97 product and the $27 product? Like what's that? What do I put in those emails? Do you have yep, any yep. thoughts on that really quick? Yep. Here, here's what I'll give you. First and foremost, if I gave a, the, the template I just provided, by the way, Pat, is very much not like a fit your business into my template. What I talked about was principles and tenets that are going to encourage engagement and sales. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not taking, I'm not telling anybody like, oh, here's exactly how you structure it. I'm saying, here's some general things to bear in mind. You got to build trust. You got to give them their stuff. You got to give them short-term and long-term reasons to hang out. And they have to know why the heck they're learning from you and not the next dude that's got 50 emails coming in their inbox too. 
So just basic principles, but I put it in a format that was like a template for the ease of use of the audience. I'm not a dogmatic person with marketing. I am a data-driven testing, uh, you know, like, like split testing all sorts of elements of email. I'm just talking about in general, what seems to be conducive, uh, to, to winning, to engagement, to readership. Now let's, let's do the same with sales. You would ask some great questions. How many emails before the sale? Um, in general, Pat, I mean, this is, this is, you know, it's potentially wildly different uh, from business to business, but in general, if you're selling e-commerce in general, I, I normally will prefer to have two to three emails that are mostly introductory education and trust building before I go overt sale into the inbox. Mm-hmm. Now, it, you know, it, that's me licking my finger and putting it up in the air. That's me kind of getting a feel. I've, I've done a lot of email campaigns. I've coached a lot of people through email campaigns. I've seen people start from nothing and go to, you know, 30 grand a month selling their hobby online or video courses or service or whatever. And, and I've seen some stuff tank and some stuff not tank in general. Uh, I prefer that normally like in, in some instances, selling off the bat is going to be fine. And, and honestly, I prefer Pat, I would prefer coming off too strong as, as to coming off weak because I, I like paying bills. I'm big on that. I like electricity is huge. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to Skype with you. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> It'd be really hard to Skype with you if I didn't have uh, electricity. So, so what happens when you do 12 emails before you give anybody an opportunity to buy is your readership, your, your number of opens, your open rate percentage on email 13, 14, 15, 16, when you're trying to sell is much lower than it is in your first half a dozen emails, mm-hmm. much lower. And, and if you're counting on those emails, really lifting the, you know, lifting the revenue needle, you are in trouble. So in general, Pat, I prefer two to three emails of education before I go into overt selling of products. But let me explain something, Pat. What I never, never, never do is slam the door shut on money. I don't slam the door shut on money. Here's how you slam the door shut on money. Your first email links to a YouTube video, which might be your YouTube video, but it's just a YouTube video. In other words, there's no buy now link. There's nothing to purchase on the sides. There's videos of Katy Perry on the right-hand side that are way cooler than your video. And you're just sending them to a web property where even if they were hot to trot, here's the way I imagine it, Pat. If you imagine every click in your first six emails, because some of them are these clicks and these are the clicks that pay your bills and people forget about this. If you imagine that every click as a mental experiment that comes from your first six emails that person is, has got a credit card burning a hole in their pocket. It is burning. Like they, they, they've got to buy what you have. They need to learn. They need this in their life. If you give them no opportunity to purchase, you're doing yourself a disservice because they're going to go buy elsewhere. So what I prefer to do, Pat, in my educational emails is if I have a blog post, let's say my first educational email, like I just said in this Facebook example, let's say my first educational email is about uh, in- increasing engagement. Guess where I'm not going to link? YouTube. Because I have no control over YouTube. A, I don't, I don't want their ads because their ads ain't for me. Their ads for somebody else. I got bills to pay. So I put my video on my website and underneath that video, I'll have a breakdown, some bullet points, yada, yada. And maybe at the bottom of that blog, I'll have a link to my $97 course where they could buy more if they wanted. But, but am, I, am I throttling it down their throat, Pat? No, I'm just leaving the door open to sales. Or on the right-hand side of the video, like on the right-hand column, uh, you know, panel, uh, when the video is in the middle on this blog post and there's a big, long description, very useful, very fruitful information, on the right-hand side, I have 
uh, a nice illustrious sort of uh, little box that says, uh, click here to see some of the successful case studies of my Facebook marketing clients. Am I throttling it down their throat? Am I, am I, am I shoving my services uh, down their gullet? No, 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 not. But I'm leaving the sales door open. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. In other words, never link to something where someone who's super hot couldn't buy if they wanted to. Um, and, and so if you want to educate them for three emails, bless you, go ahead and do it. But at the bottom of your post on the right-hand side, underneath the video, uh, in a little box to the upper right, make it clear that, that you're not pushy, but if they wanted to buy the door's still open, because guess what? Those first three emails, they're going to make you money. If you let them make you money, if you close the door on sales, they'll go buy somewhere else. So you wouldn't recommend ever having an email that doesn't have a link in it. I'm very much not about emails that don't have links in them. Yeah, Pat. I mean, you know, if you, have a, if you have a particular example of an instance where you'd want to do that, just lay it on me and I'll talk about sort of what else could be done or, or maybe if it's a good example that I wouldn't argue with. But let me know kind of when, when you would have uh, an email uh, without a link. Well, in my email campaign, or at least in my current autoresponder, uh, most of my emails don't have links because I'm using it. Well, maybe it's a special, unique case for me because I'm in the internet marketing space where everybody's getting bombarded with offers and links all the time. And that's, yeah. that's my way of standing out. So it actually... For me, uh, it, it it does work because people respond and they go, wow, you're not selling to me. That's awesome. Hey, yes. I think people do like you for that. And and I'll admit, I like you for that. I think that's cool. Um, you're very much like regular dude, total not like pro salesman guy. And and actually, I think that that, that is part of why people like Pat Flynn show and why people actually trust you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um it's tough to say that it works unless we split tested it. So we could say that it works, but unless we split test it, we actually can't say that. W what might be possible, like one of your emails, let's say, I'm going to use an example. You tell me if it's a reasonable example. Email number four in the Pat Flynn sequence just talks about your first struggles with, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, 400 words, 500 words, talks about your struggle starting online and how you learned about tying a business to your passion would really, you know, be what led to success. And you would advise other people to do the same. And then you tell them about what's coming up tomorrow and you, and you sign off. Sure. It's, it's okay. very similar. Something Motivational, like that. you know, think something like that. Yeah. You could hypothetically, um, have a, you know, you could have a blog post that's, that serves now that the, the purpose of that email, Pat is to, um, encourage trust, right. encourage uh, encourage engagement and relationship with you. They relate to you. Um, now let's think, is it possible to have a link that would not detract from all of that? Now, if you had a big link at the bottom that said, you know, buy uh, Jeff Walker's new product launch formula, you schmucks, um, <laughs> you know, that would probably sort of hurt your relationship thing that you, that you were talking about. Right. Um, but if you said, you know, uh, I actually took some embarrassing photos of my first online workspace when I got laid off. Um, and if you see the difference between then and now, it's positively amazing if, if it, you know, uh, and, and if anything, it's proof that absolutely anybody can, can succeed online. I think you guys will like these goofy photos, check it out. And then it goes into a little bit of your story. It has like, you know, a younger Pat Flynn, like with his laptop, like in his boxer shorts or something, you know, and then it's got, and then it's got your new place and, and how, you know, you came up just like them. And those pictures, in my personal opinion, wouldn't make them say, screw you, Pat Flynn. I see that relationship you're trying to build. I hate you. I would actually suppose that those might help a bit. And that if, if on the right-hand side, there was like a list of your 
uh, podcasts and, and, you know, maybe, maybe also something about sort of like, you know, Aweber, like there was a, just a random, you know, thing like on your site about Aweber sure, and, sure. and like one, and like, let's say you, let's pop, let's say you, cause you have a lot of subscribers. Let's say you pump X number of thousands of humans and in email two and three, which currently have no links, you continue the relationship build, but like a few of them sign up for Aweber. I know for a fact that affiliate commissions on Aweber and, and, you know, hosting is sort of a big part of your shebang, you know, a, a couple more of those on recurring ain't bad. And, and in my personal opinion, and I'm not telling you to change by the way, Pat, like, look at, look at me go, right? No, Show I need to hear, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I mean, this is why I love doing the podcast. I'm oh, learning cool. yeah. as I go. I mean, I don't know all the answers and that's kind of why I have you not, here. I didn't show up to be like, oh man. I can't wait to like tell Pat Flynn what to do. You know, like that's. Yeah, that's but it would be, it would also be cool to put some of this to the test and kind of. All day long. And, and you know what Steve Chow did? And, and that's why he gave me some props. And, and that's probably why I'm even on the show in the first place. No, I love this. I mean, I love when people tell me what I'm doing wrong or what I could do to improve. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. And, and hopefully everybody out there can see like, you know, you don't have to be perfect. And I'm not no, saying not that I'm wrong, but I'm not also saying that I'm completely right either. So, exactly. We're just juggling ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. this is cool. I love yeah, this. We're just presenting reasonable marketing ideas, and some of them are new and cool. And honestly, Pat, if I had a podcasting show or whatever my show is and I interviewed you, you would teach me like 400 things in the first 20 minutes. <laughs> well, so uh, I, I very much hope that at least something is useful here. But yeah, my supposition is that whatever – if you – if you Pat, if, if, if you read me any of your emails that had a deep purpose, okay, this is relationship. This is trust. This is, um, you know, motivation. This is whatever, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. This is basics of marketing and positioning, whatever it is, but there's no link. I would ask, is it possible to put together a great video or probably link to an existing one so you don't even have to recreate new stuff? Hint, hint. Um, is it possible to put up a, a video, some pictures or a short blog that does not for one fragment of a second take away from that purpose and gets people used to clicking and used to continuing to build a relationship with you. And is it reasonable to say that of the tens of thousands of people who land on your website, we wouldn't get a few more folks to buy some Aweber and a few more folks to sign up for Bluehost if it's, a, if it's at the bottom of that blog from email three or the sidebar of that blog of email six. You see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that, I do that I do that already in some of the emails where I link to a post that relates to the email. I should probably implement that a little bit more. And you said something that I think is really, really important. Yep. Getting people used to clicking. Get them used. You're driving clicks, eyeballs on offers. Now, Pat, look, you're not a hard salesman, and, and that's a beautiful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think that's why people are listening. But you do not have to be a hard salesman to have your products or your affiliate products on the right-hand side of a, of a blog that builds that relationship, builds the picture of Pat in his boxer shorts, and people love Pat, and they want to be like Pat, and they see themselves in their boxer shorts. And now they, you know, like, I think I think any any purpose you want to enhance, we could do so with content that takes them to a place where Pat, if they had a credit card, this is hypothetical, if they had a credit card, and it was literally burning a hole in their pocket, that they could spend money somewhere. Because you, you better believe a lot of your readers of email four or six or five are hungry to buy something. They're hungry to solve their problem. You do not have to hard sell them. You don't even have to mention a sale. My supposition is, might it be worth, you know, encouraging clicks to get them used to that habit, but giving them more and more opportunities yeah. to traffic your site and be around your affiliate stuff. Because to be frank, if it means 10 or 15 more Awebers a month or, or 10 or 15 more Bluehosts a month, I don't know, man. I, I, I like the sound of that. So would you say to everybody out there that you should include links? in every single email. 
Yep, eight days a week. Mm-hmm. And 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 let me give you a little bit of a tip on on links as well. And there's there's a lot of potential strategies. And like I said, Pat, I'm not dogmatic. I talk about principles. I implement principles, and I split test my pants off. One facet that I tend to dig in terms of best practices for linking is ask yourself this question, Pat, or folks who are tuned in, ask yourself this question: If someone reading your email only read the blue stuff, would they want to click and be excited about what they were going to see? The blue stuff being the links. The blue stuff being the links. Because just like with a sales page, Pat, you know how there's the kind of the multiple readership paths. Some people are only going to read your subheads. So they have a bunch of subheads going down the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing with emails. Like anybody out there right now who has a way of proving that everybody's reading all their emails, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving Boston. I'm moving somewhere really close to you. And, and I'm going to just do whatever, because you, you must be like a wizard of some kind. Like you, you must command some, <laughs> like a, a literal kind of deity level uh, marketing capacity. Because people don't. Because people are eating Cheetos and watching Die Hard while they're reading your email, or they're in their car uh, while eating Cheetos and watching Die Hard. Uh, and, and, and that's, I mean, that's just tough. You know, you don't have their whole attention, especially when they're, you know, in stop and go traffic. They got to look up from the movie. They got to eat the Cheetos, you know. So, so at the end of the day, a lot of the time, people are just going to read what's around the link and, and particularly the link itself. If, if, you're, if the only links in your emails are click here or watch it now, or just a link like, you know, Billy's marketing blog slash article six. If those are the only kind of links and none of them by themselves are a benefit driven, interesting supposition to go receive more cool free content or a product, um, then you may be in trouble because there is a large segment of your email following that ain't reading your words, pal. They're just looking at what's bold. They're looking at what pops out and they're clicking and going back to the inbox. Hmm. So when you link to something in your emails, make sure that the entire link text describes what it is that the person's going to get. It's, it's, a, it's a decent best practice. I'm not going to say it should be dogmatic, Pat, but if, if you had, let's say, 15 autoresponders and they all said, uh, uh, and, and the only things you would link to were uh, billysmarketingblog.com slash uh, article six slash Facebook ads mastery, um, billysmarketingblog.com slash free webinar, billysmarketingblog.com slash video seven uh, PPC basics. Right. If, if that's all you had or you had links that said, you know, boost your Facebook sales now or, you know, you know, uh, let let me help you boost your Facebook sales on this free webinar, you know, whatever the case may be. Or mm-hmm. or um, free Facebook marketing webinar live with Bill Stevens, you know, whoever the guy is, you know, arrow, arrow, whatever the case may be, um, or, or in brackets, however you want to segment the link. If, if you could take the first 12 emails that had links that were only billysmarketing.com slash and they were just literal URLs. Or, and then, and then you, you split tested that against 12 emails that said the main value prop and the reason for clicking and what exactly they're going to get when they click in the actual blue text. Um, I would literally put my mother's IRA on the latter. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would literally, like I would put my mother's IRA, Pat, you understand? Like, like, like my mom's money, like that's a big deal. So, um, I'm not saying you should do it every time, but if you're looking for a best practice as to how to link in general, adhere to the fact that you do not command godly attention from the humans who read your emails. Um, and many of them just want to know if this is worth clicking. The only way they know is, is by you setting proper expectations and presenting benefits in the link text itself. You know, cl- uh, click here to see my three favorite takedowns for competition or click here or for, for my, for my three best, uh, healthy dessert recipes, you know, as opposed to like dawn's desserts.net slash blah, 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 blah. Like 
You know, if you look for, if you're looking for a general best practice, I would, I would adhere to the latter. I see too many people saying, you know, linking click here or read this, or just putting URLs, uh, in general, not always, but in general, I would recommend what I had just mentioned. Nice. That's a great tip. Um, as we finish up here, I want to go back to something that uh, you had said, we were going to talk about that is very important is, is how to not come across too salesy. Yeah. In an email, something that I know a lot of people are about. Now, I will go back to Derek Halpern and Social Triggers. And, you know, he has said, and he said this on my show, you know, he doesn't sell often. But when he does, he, he sells. And he sells hard. Yep. Because he wants to make sure that people get the value that he's providing. And he's doing his audience a disservice if he doesn't convince them yep. to get the product. Sure. I believe that. But I also know okay. that people struggle with that. Yep. And uh, selling hard isn't easy and comfortable and can be a turnoff for some people as well. What are your thoughts on, okay, how do we craft this email to best present the product that we want the person to sure. get? Sure. A couple things. I'm a, I'll talk a little bit kind of like philosophy level. Uh, first and foremost, like if you're too afraid of selling, I actually think that's like a legitimate problem. Like I think that that's like sort of beyond business. And like if you're too afraid of selling either – Either, either you are selling something that you don't believe in and this feels wrong because you're not doing any good and by golly, get out of that business. Yeah. <laughs> or two, you have a limiting fear that's an actual problem that likely extends well beyond business. Um, I, I believe that it's, it's like, a, uh, uh, like a sin committed against your own human potential. Like you're doing bad things by holding that fear if you have no reason to have it uh, because you're going to hold yourself back in business. You might not bring up, you know, difficult conversations uh, with people you love. Um, you know, having some fear uh, about anything without reason behind it, uh, in my opinion, just like, I don't know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like going to be tough, right? You got to be tough, Pat. So yeah. uh, I, I, I don't have too much uh, sympathy. Um, but, but what I will tell you is this, if you don't believe in what you're selling, stop selling it and sell something else. Um, sell something that you believe in, that you believe serves benefit, that you believe is useful, that you believe is beneficial, that you believe in, in terms of a product. Because by golly, you don't want to have your soul sucked away by your job. If you're really intimidated by sales in general, take some sales classes, get used to it, and be in business. Because if you sell nothing, um, you will be out of business really quick, and then that'll be tough. Because you'll need to pay your bills, you'll need to be on Skype like me and Pat are, and that'll be very hard if, you, if you're not able to pay your bills. So that's like overarching. I, I very much think that if anybody's trepidatious about selling in any way, shape or form, check yourself, that's check huge. yourself. That's, fast. that's absolutely huge. A lot yeah. of people need to hear that. So thank you, you want to be an entrepreneur? Like, no, I'm not playing games. Check yourself. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I could, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna open up about that one, but, uh, anyway, <laughs> you've said uh, regard- you said yeah, regardless, uh, let me, let me move on. Pat. So, so next up in terms of emails, I think that you can have your emails be a little bit of a represent representation of sort of some of your own, uh, style. So some folks, uh, you know, like yourself, Pat, for example, you are not a hard sales guy, but you know, you, you don't really come across like a hard sales guy, like in life, you know, you, you're a nice dude. And that's also part of your differentiation there. I think I made that word up, but you know, that that's a little bit of what sets you apart. So that's part of your positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing it soft, I think might serve you, especially because you've built your positioning around it. What I will say is some people feel like hard selling, um, is, is always a bad thing. What I'll say is, you know, there's companies like Oracle, which some people may have heard of, which is sort of in existence because people sold things. 
um, hard. And, and, and Oracle, you know, I don't know much about Ellison. I'm not going to judge his character, but I don't believe Oracle is like an entity of evil per se. Like, I don't know. For all I know, they're like, you know, burning villages in Ghana or something. Right. But, but from what I know, they like actually sell a, a, a kind of useful service there. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, database are kind of some of the, some of the first in the game. It's, it's good stuff. A lot of businesses run on that. Um, but they wouldn't run on that unless some dudes had the chutzpah to run up a bunch of flights of stairs and knock on doors until their knuckles bled. So, um, so selling is by itself not a bad thing. Um, and, and some people feel like if you're overt about selling, it's, it's, it's poor. What I will say is do this. Here's what I would recommend to the folks tuned in, Pat, and I'll give one little quick, uh, quick tip on this as well. Subscribe to a bunch of folks. If you're not already subscribed to Pat, you know, why are you listening? You know, subscribe, uh, you know, but, but subscribe to other people, you know, find other people in information marketing, find other people in your niche, find other online marketers and get a feel for how other people sell. Cause I could explain six different non-super salesy ways to sell. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will talk about a few, but to be honest, you'll get a great feel for how, you know, Jeff Walker sells or, you know, Ryan Dice has so many different web properties, but how how they soft and or hard sell there, how Pat communicates, how, uh, you know, folks like Andrew Warner or, or, uh, you know, John Lee, you know, John Lee Dumas, who's uh, was with him in, in October on his show. And the way that he writes sort of copy in general is sort of unique to him. It's very much representative of, of his personality. Tune into other people and get a feel for who do I want to sell like and what would be coherent to my brand? I would not tell anybody in your audience, Pat, that they should be a hard seller, should be a soft seller. I will tell them not to have fears because you're an entrepreneur and a grown up. But what I will tell them to do is, is to tune into others and get a feel for what's genuine and true and what might work best for their business. In terms of non-salesy ways to sell, I'll give you a couple quick ones anybody in the audience can use. And I know they work because uh, these work in my business and, and the folks that we coach as well. Um, one of which is take your highest converting sales page, or maybe it's like an appointment setting page, whatever your conversion page is. And, um, Put a content video above the conversion page and, a, and a, a good solid description of that video on the right-hand side of the video and a little headline above the video, but then have your best sales page right below it. So, and have the sales page related to the video content. So let me give you an example in, in the fitness space. I have mm-hmm. a fella who, who works with me now who's on infusion so often we sort of convinced him, you know, is, is doing five figures a month here uh, selling fitness stuff. And he sells sort of hardcore fitness. So some of his list doesn't want it. They don't want to get thrown at the same sales page 500 times, Pat. So instead of doing that, he, he took a video about, let's say like tire flipping or using a sledgehammer for building explosive power. And he put that video above the sales page with its own unique headline and a good solid description with some good bullet points about how to use this as a workout tool to build explosive power. And right underneath that was the sales page. But in his email, he did not talk about the sales page. And if people Mm. didn't want to buy, they were not interrupted. They just watched the video and that's it. But the people who were curious, scroll down a little bit, and maybe they scroll down some more, and a percentage of them would buy. And he found that although it was a slightly less percentage than an overt sale, still getting a good number of sales by simply linking to content. And he was getting no angry messages back. I've seen that from niche to niche to niche. Take whatever's highest converting, throw great and related content right above it, preferably video, and, and send people to the video and talk only about the video in your email. And you'll still drive a phenomenal number of sales if your sales page is good. Man, love that. That's a good one. Thank you. Of course, Pat. Man, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I can smell the smoke from people's 
notes that they're taking right now. <laughs> poor, poor guys, man. Yeah, of course. Burn it up the paper. Dude, this, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to implement a lot of these things. Um, I am considering using some more higher level email marketing solutions in the future as well. So we'll, uh, we'll have to talk about that at some point yeah. as well. Uh, so why don't you let everybody know where they can find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, big time. So CLV, so that's like Caitlin Larry Vermont uh, boost.com CLV boost that stands for customer lifetime value. Uh, folks that want to learn more from me can go to CLV boost. We, we got our blog and everything else, but importantly, we have a white paper right on the main page of CLV boost.com, which involves some of our uh, conversion strategies for doubling your purchases or appointments from email marketing. So these are basic sort of uh, principles and tenets that you can plug into any email marketing strategy, whether you have one in place or not. And again, that's just clvboost.com, the main page. You can grab the white paper, even if you want nothing more from me, but just some more tips to implement for yourself. Um, if people want to reach out to me directly, go ahead and hit me at, at dan, that's D-A-N, at clvboost.com and let me know that you came from Pat, just so I know, because I get a lot of emails. Uh, and I will be way more than happy to say hello, answer questions, hang out, um, and uh, and respond to folks from there. So you can grab the white paper, just clvboost.com, or you can just hit me up myself. I'll be happy to hear from you if you came from Pat. Dan, you rock. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pat. Glad to be here, brother. All right, have a good one. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan from clvboost.com. A lot of great information. And of course, he talked about that a uh, little white paper that he's giving away to help you capture and convert even more subscribers, a free PDF you can get at just on the homepage at clvboost.com. Thank you, Dan, for all the great advice I'm actually gonna be implementing or perhaps by the time this goes live, I will have already implemented a lot of what you talked about, some very actionable, straightforward strategies to help all of us out with our email marketing and autoresponders to help us increase our sales. So hopefully you'll put some of that into action as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this episode, check out the transcript or also check out all the links and resources mentioned in this episode. Quickly head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 159. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 159. I'd also like to thank today's sponsors. The first one, audiobooks.com, an amazing site that I use all the time, actually an app, to help me listen to books on the go. That's how I'm able to consume most of my books through audiobooks.com. And if you go to audiobooks.com slash SPI, you'll get a 30-day free trial of audiobooks, and you'll get your first book for free on them, no strings attached. In addition to that free book, and there's over, there's over 60,000 titles there you can choose from, even bestsellers. In addition to that single book, You'll also get my book, Let Go, the audio version of that for free, available only on audiobooks.com. Again, audiobooks.com slash SPI. And lastly, if you subscribe and get your 30-day free trial today, you'll get entered into a drawing. And every week we're giving away, as long as audiobooks is still a sponsor, they're giving away a three-month subscription to one lucky person who subscribes and signs up for that 30-day free trial. So again, one more time, that link to you, which you should go to right now, audiobooks.com slash SPI. I. Guys, I've, I've really been enjoying this podcast and I will continue to do it in the future for you. I know a lot of you have taken the information that I've shared here, the interviews that we've done uh, with other experts and other people and, and have actually taken action with it. And I just love you for that. I, I'm so thankful that I have an audience who uh, is actually not just learning, but learning and putting things into place to make change in their lives and the lives of others too. I mean, we're all here to serve other people, I hope. Um, but I know a lot of you also need a little bit more help. Uh, I've been getting messages left and right from people who have been asking for 
more and, and deeper information about certain things. So what I've done is that I've actually put together a number of courses, and there's more courses coming in the future, thanks to your recommendations. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses, you'll see a list of the courses that are currently available there or that you can sign up for the waitlist for. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. Check it out. Thank you again, as always, for listening in. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate all the love on iTunes as well with the ratings and reviews and comments. Thank you. I love you guys, and I look forward to serving you next week in episode 160 of the SPI Podcast. Thanks so much. Take care, and have an amazing week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.